Atmospheres like this, and even in atmospheres not like we've had this morning, it's a privilege to be able to, be able to declare what God is saying. Amen. You know, and if you felt this morning that one of those words was speaking to you, whether it was the clock, the owl, or the wind, this is not a time to let your water level drop down because we come to the word and you think, I just need to listen and concentrate. You need to catch something. Amen. If you look last week, and I know that because of time constraints, maybe I spoke quite quickly and you didn't quite grab all the stuff. That's all right. So I'm deliberately going to slow down again just this week. Um, Time is already moving on us. So maybe after five minutes, I might lie and just speed up anyway. Amen. But we're going to look at being made complete part two. God leaves nothing unfinished. What does he leave unfinished? Which means he won't let you or I get off the hook. From the day that you enter salvation to the day that he calls you home, he will continually look to see the Christ formed in you and formed in me. Amen. Because he values the input and he values you. You were bought with a great price. There was no prince and pauper mentality we were all the same value the blood of jesus christ that was shed on the cross and that whole process that god wants is as we've heard about the water that was flowing this morning as you have the deluge um what is the actual term i think it's the term that after us the deluge you know whilst god is working with us there is a deluge that we are carrying out from his presence amen do you remember the prophetic word from a couple of weeks ago about god's stickies Sometimes you don't realize what you catch in his presence, but when you go outside, other people connect to you and catch things and draw from you. Amen. Just very, very quickly, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that we uh, used last week. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 declares this. We proclaim him and admonish every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. How many men? Oh, said, don't let our spirit levels drop down. How many men? So there's no exceptions. In this room today, there is no exceptions that the whole concept of the Apostle Paul building is to see the Christ formed in you and I. It's not just about how much education you can get, how much you can know, what you can push in, how many of experiences you have. Will the Christ be formed? In 2 Peter 1 and verse 3 declares this. Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything we need for life and godliness through the true knowledge of him, the true knowledge, not just knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become a partaker of the divine nature. So not only is he saying we need to make you complete, but that you become a partaker of that nature. Amen. That means simple terms, you get to make it work. And I think I'd rather know how to make it work than just have knowledge of him. Yes. In his presence this morning, he's saying more and more. He's revealing himself as king of kings. He's doing everything. He's pressing us through. As we said, without exception, God is speaking to every single one of us this morning. We know that in September, we have our first conference, our first ministry school, Agents of Change. Agents of Change do one thing. They change. 
They change not only themselves, they change people around them and they change their environments. And God's turning around and saying, I birthed you to be an agent of change. Now, let me just encourage you. If you've not signed up, why not? And if you've not signed up, do it today before you go. Why? Because you're going to find everything that's going to be imparted into you, how to make it work and how to have change. Don't sit there with a frustrated life. Grab hold of what God's doing. This is a ministry school. This is not a talk and chalk. Sit here while we tell you. No, there's going to be the impartation that's going to see your life turned around and transformed. And the three people at the front said, amen. Amen. You know, we are so excited because God has had this and been talking to us for nearly three years. Build it, build it, declare it, build it. We're now coming to the time where it's an all rise event. Lay hold of it because your life is going to be transformed. Amen. But we remember one thing and it's critical. God is a forming God. He formed man from the dust. And when he formed him, he said, it is good. Jeremiah's perspective was that God was the potter and he formed the clay into the vessel which seemed good to him. And also in Zechariah 12 and verse 1, it says, Thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens and lays the foundations of the earth and he forms the spirit of the man within him. So there's you, he forms your body, he forms the vessels, he forms the spirit. In each of those areas, God says, I'm going to continue until the Christ is seen. Thank you for that underwhelming response. Now, it's great when you go into the hands of God, there's some wonderful, there is some wonderful encounters when God lays his hands on you, isn't there? Amen. You know, we can remember those days when you've been sat lying in bed, three o'clock in the morning, snot coming down your nose, tears rolling and saying, oh God, when are you going to stop? But the process, when you see and you look back, you see that what he produced in you was in greater worth than gold. It's so precious, which is established inside of you. Now, if we remember last week, we used an illustration. The illustration we used was the law of the cake. John, did you make our cake? Oh, it's sweet. See, it was sweet. See, for all of those people, not mentioning Don Warrington's name, who complained and came up and said, why didn't you choose me? There's a reason. Moment on the lips, Don. Moment on the lips. But, you know, there was one thing that we looked at. If you remember, we broke down each area of those cakes. And if time allows, we'll show you just some of those again because we skipped through very quickly. But there were three factors of when you were being formed. The mixing process, the cleanliness of the vessel, and the heat all allowed your cake to be formed or not formed correctly. Do you remember? So let's look at some of those bits this morning. The mixing process, how you were put together in the first place. The way you entered salvation and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior will have a massive knock-on effect and springboard into the rest of your spiritual life. If you received a gospel of salvation, come to Jesus as you are and have all of your needs met. The truth is that when we turn around and we declare in our gospel messages, messages, Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the provider. Is he all those things? But do you realize that when you came to the deliverer and you got your deliverance, you didn't need him anymore. You don't see any sake for moving forward because I had my needs met. So if you came and needed healing, I touched the healer. Then what more is he to add? Once people have what they what they have, the truth is most will not progress and move forward. The gospel of the kingdom. Repent, believe 
be baptized and be filled with the spirit. A message of power and purpose, a God who transforms lives and a people empowered to change themselves and their environment. The mixing process is so important. It should never be rushed. So those initial stages. Now, I know because I know. And I, I'm trying to say that I'm not an expert because I'm not. Because as soon as I looked at Mel, my illustration I was going to use, I thought, oh, no, Mel can grasp me up. So I better not use that one. But the truth is this, okay? Mel is one of the most important people you will ever meet in your life. Do you know why she's one of the most important people? Because she has the hand on the transfer process of a baby from the womb into the world in which we live in. And if she mishandles that process, a baby can have brain damage, can have learning difficulties, can die en route. If they miss that the baby's struggling, that there's concerns for the mom, mum's all the bits. I sound like an expert. I'm not. I'm just trying to remember what I've seen on one born every minute. You know, all these kind of things. And you see this process, but the way that she brought somebody into new life will have a knock-on effect for their rest of their lives. Learning difficulties, whether you have that, emotional difficulties, bonding issues, etc. All by the way, the midwife did her job. And we thank God for people like Mel who do a brilliant job every day. Amen. That bring our kids and our grandkids into this world. So we thank God for people like that. But there are people who touch our lives who have not always been the best spiritual midwives. There are two areas of people that when the mixing process comes down, there are those who have been treated harshly and those who have been loved to death. Both of them do not produce maturity. The harsh mixture. In the mixing process, people have been heavy with you. They've been heavy handed. They've been rough. They've mishandled you. And because of that, you will often see people in the early stages of their Christian life that have been handled really harshly normally have a fruit of religion, form and duty. They become very task orientated because they're just told to do, do, do. And there's a harshness towards them. And then because of that, they produce a people after themselves, like a famous tone that uh, Pastor Tony would use. It becomes monkey see, monkey do. You didn't like the way you were handled, but you don't know any better. So you treat people the same way. And then what you do is you think, ah, well, somebody worked like this with me and they're quite heavy handed. And then you start raising the bar that God never rose. So he raised the bar for everybody else. Oh, you can only meet God if you do this. You can only push through if you do this. And we put down a set of rules and regulations that God never put in place and never tried to enforce. But the error and the sadness that comes from this is normally with this group of people, trust is lost. That when you've been mishandled and mistreated, you find it hard to be led. It's easy to be cynical and you won't allow others to get close to you for fear of being hurt. You won't give your heart easily. But if someone can remold you, your faithfulness and loyalty are unquestionable. But these people will often actively rebuff or turn away from training and change because they feel that how I've been treated before, you will do the same. But you know, the truth is this, not all men are the same. Do you know that? 
not all dads are bad dads. You might have not had a great childhood where dad left you or you were beaten or knocked about or abused. Not all men are the same. And not all women run off with a milkman when you're at work. Not everybody's the same. But we have a tendency to paint everybody and tar them all with the same brush. Amen. Then we have those who've been loved to death. You've been shielded from the Christ life, but you exist at the lowest water level. There was no repentance. There was no Christ life. There was no fruit of the spirit demonstrated. They're nice people, but you've been wrapped in cotton wool and your perspective of Jesus is the baby in the manger or the blue eyed, blonde haired lamb of God who loves me. It's the perspective you have. And because of that, in environments like we had this morning, they will often struggle as God reveals himself as king of kings. If he reveals his holiness, if there is messages and calls to die to self, taking up the cross, they find it hard to break through in worship and intimacy with God. And they look at those who do as being weird or super spiritual. Because when you're in an environment this morning, don't think everybody was touching the same thing you was. That when you were touching God, there's some people there thinking, I wonder how the cricket's going this morning. I wonder what's going on. Will Tiger Woods pull back them two shots? And there's all kinds of things that go through your mind. You're not all touching him at that level. So when we're trying to declare, and God is speaking by his spirit, the king is here, the king of glory. Depending on your perception and how you were built and molded, is whether you say yes and amen and you pursue him or whether you sit passive and wait for something just to take hold of you. You know, we do that. We sit and we just wait. And in this environment, we're all going to be blessed. Yeah, well, I just need to tell you something. God has no favorites, but some will be blessed more than others. Some will be blessed more than others because you get out what you put in. If you pursue me, you will find me. So we lay hold of him. If you take this group of people back to basics and lay the foundation of the Christ, the man, his work and his purpose, the framework begins to change. Add to that the baptisms of the Holy Spirit and the internal quickening of your personal motivation to touch him and to know him. It will become the springboard into growth. So whether you've been treated harshly or whether you came in with, I just love Jesus and he loves me. It's me and Jesus and nobody else. You and me and the dog named Boo. If that's all you need, for each of us, the process can change. It just means going back to the way you were formed and say, God, start with me again. Lay hold of me. Lay hold of me one more time. We also said about the cleanliness or the unclean vessels. It's true, and it was stated this morning. I heard it, somebody say it. I don't know who said it, but I heard somebody say it. That we come to Jesus just as we are. The trouble is you think you can stay there. You come to him as you are, and then he moves you from one degree of glory to the next. Precept upon precept, principle on principle. He takes us through process. We all know the scripture. Again, for time, I'm not going to turn to some of these things. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Him, him with clean hands and a pure heart. In the initial stages, when we first get saved, God winks at our behavior. But as we look to pursue him and go higher into where he is, he will not turn away from our behavior. 
He turns around and says, I expect you to mature. I expect you to start living clean lives. I expect, expect the sin age to come to an end. That you don't keep on doing what you've always done. But we start to become and reflect him. We have scriptures, be holy as I am holy. We lay hold of him again. He's desiring to change us. But here's a great scripture from 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I thought and I reasoned like a child. The immaturity in our spiritual growth will cause us so many times to elevate our own thinking and behavior above the word of scripture and how God handles us. Should I say that again? That when I think, act and reason like a child and I have no spiritual maturity, all I'm left is to use those three as the gauge and governor on my, li on my life. And so because of that, I will elevate my own thinking and understanding above what God says about you in his word. Make sense? So I start to reason why things happen, how it changes, how I can deflect, how I can turn things around. Look at how reason first starts to come into place. When Adam's in the garden and they fall in sin, God turns up into the garden in the cool of the evening shouting, Adam, where are you? And he hides his nakedness. And he said, why are you hiding? Because I was naked. Now he's doing God a favor. Because I'm naked. You know, you've seen this every day. You created it. But now all of a sudden, I have this understanding that I'm naked. So I'm going to do you the favor, God. I'm going to make this garment of fig leaves. And I'm going to hide in the bushes. Because you've never seen anything like this before. He thinks he's doing God the favor. And then his reasoning pushes on. It was the woman you gave me. Now, I've been writing Phil's Bible, and in Phil's Bible, there's a little bit of add-on to that. It was the woman you gave me, did you keep the receipt? <laughs> so, because he's got to take it back, he's going to swap it, transfer it for something else. But did you keep the receipt? He tries to, in his own reasoning, deflect, oh, well, look at all the ladies now looking at their husbands. If you laugh, fellas, you know you're in trouble when you get home. <laughs> Love you, babes. <laughs> but the, the process is this. Don't, don't lose the moment in what we're saying. Your own reasoning, we when we're immature in Christ, everything that we understand, everything that's formed us, whether it's life, what we've read, what we've seen, other conversations we've had, influences in our lives, mentors that we've had, good and bad, all of that will help us to be able to put together a thought process that says, this is right, even though God says it's wrong. But when I was a child, I thought, acted, and reasoned. But now I come to maturity, I have to put that behind me and press forward into what he is. Hebrews 5.14 declares this. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now I started to look at this. Discernment is a gift you grow yourself. You grow discernment by constant use, being in his word, being in his presence, understanding his processes. You're able to, like the money changer, 
you're so much around the reel that when the counterfeit comes along, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So when pastor's been talking about how we need to be those who have clear doctrine, if you don't read the word, don't think you're ever telling me that my doctrine's not good. Because you have to go back to scripture and show us where, where would you say it's not right? Why is this not being formed? Those mature have trained themselves through constant use to distinguish good from evil. So we grow in our discernment. We need to live those lives that reflect the Christ. Now, we have a responsibility to reflect the Christ. Now, Pat used it. We've, we've used it this morning. We've talked about the water levels. Pastor was talking about the Jew and as we press into God. Do you know why you need to reflect the Christ? And you need the true water to flow. Because anybody that connects with you, if you're a polluted source, you pollute them. When people drink from your well... You give them contaminated water. So God said, you have a responsibility, not just for you, but anybody you contact and you turn around and say, I represent him. That water better be clean. Now, we know that we're maturing and we're growing. We know that everything's not perfect. But when you're flowing out of something that's bad, you will affect the lives around you. Then we looked at the process of heat. One thing you can never avoid is process. You know what the saying is? If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. We're being changed into his likeness, like we said, from one degree of glory to the next. But let me give you a few scriptures this morning that will maybe help us. From Psalm 12 and verse 6. And the words of the Lord are flawless. What is it? Flawless without error. Like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. The word of the God, uh, God is so flawless too, as it's perfect in what it is. We know that process, you are instantly made clean at salvation. When I accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior, as far as the east is from the west, I remember your sins no more. So he sees you as being clean. But the process of purification then starts. Yes? He doesn't hold us accountable for where we've been and our behavior from once we've been saved. But from that point on, he then starts to change us. Now, what happens is this. It turns around there. It's talking of God's word, but it's also where people are concerned. When he purifies us like silver or gold, the process works like this. You know, maybe you've seen a a roughing of gold, a nugget or whatever. You've seen a program where people have been finding gold. There's all these programs now, isn't there, from whether you've been in the Antarctic or you're in the Amazon jungle of how you can find gold. So you get this gold and then you put it into a bowl and that bowl is heated up to a tremendous temperature. And the, the metal begins to break down. When it breaks down, it's found in liquid format. When it's in a liquid format, what rises to the top? dross so what does the silversmith or goldsmith do skims it allows it time to cool and be reformed and then heats it again and that process will continue does anybody know when that process is complete it's when it's pure but how do you know it's pure when the silversmith or the goldsmith can see his own reflection in the metal. There is no more dross to rise up. 
Now, you know, as well as I do, that that process in you and me, God goes, let's remove that bit. And I am so glad that God is like a master surgeon where he doesn't turn around and says, you need to lose a leg, an eye, an ear, your tongue, your lips, three fingers. And we're doing it all today. He's kind of, he kind of builds a process in me where he works on me. He lets me heal, grow and stronger. Then he comes back and deals with another area in my life. Because if God actually showed me how much I was a work in progress, I think there would be no hope for me. I'd kind of think, this is so hard. There is so much to change. I might as well just bail out and go and do something else. So he doesn't. Do you remember the illustration, the great illustration that pastors used on numerous occasions? When you go to the movies and they show you a trailer, they show you all the good bits, don't they? They don't show you the boring bits of them, lovey-dovey, sat on the sofa, all the chick flip bits. They show you the action bits. They're the bits that whet your appetite. They're the bits that get you going. So when God declares that you are an overcomer, that we're seated with him, that we're pushing back the enemy, that the gates of hell will not proceed because we're pushing, all of these things, forceful men lay hold of it. All the guys kind of go, yeah, we can see ourselves as being real warriors and we rise up and I can see myself in the armor and it's all looking good. And I don't know about you, but I've got a great spiritual kind of mind that works. And what that means is when I see myself in the army, I see myself about six foot three. I've suddenly grown when I've got armor on. I'm like, come on, we're having the best of you. It's all of that. And God goes, yeah, right. Now, let me just tell you, we've not even been through basic training yet. And you're going to cry and you'll have a blister on your foot. And you'll, ask you, you'll want to phone your mum and say, can I go home? And it's not working. And you're cold. All of those processes, he doesn't show you. You just see the guys and the passing out parade. And they're giving it all the stuff. They're all ready. We're ready for the front lines. God says it's called process. What he forms he finishes. The good news to you this morning is he will finish you. Amen. <laughs> now, here's the thing of that process. Psalm 66 verse 10 declares, you have tested us, O God, and you have purified us like silver. So we've been tested and we've been purified. But in Isaiah 48, it's actually verses 1 to 11, but I'm only going to pick up on verses 10 and 11. You can read the rest for yourself. See, this is the Lord speaking. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Well, thanks, God. Thanks for the favor there. You have tested us in the furnace of affliction for my own name's sake. Comma, for my own sake. So God's telling it twice. It's not for your benefit. It's for my benefit that I'm purifying you. I do this. How can I um, let myself be deframed, defiled, or spoken against? I will not yield my glory to another. God turns around and says this. Look, when I bought you and I gave you my name, on your spiritual birth certificate, it says son and daughter of the living God. Father, father. Yes? It's one of those. Nature of origin. And then you've got uh, nature of dad, work, uh, creator, king of glory. It's quite long, that box. Goes into all the bits of what he does for you. But when he puts his name to you, he said, it's for my glory and for my name that I can't allow you to slip back. So I'll keep chasing and I'll keep pushing and I'll keep building and I'll keep forming and I'll push the Christ and I'll build the Christ and I'll open up the Holy Ghost and I'll open up what we've got for you. All of these things, everything for life and godliness for my own namesake. I've bought you and you will come through to this. 
because I leave nothing unfinished. Now, when you read the rest of the context, this speaks of so many in church. When you read the initial verses, it says this. You use the name of God without truth. This is why we got to verse 10 and 11. So you want to use my name, but you don't want to do it and live with it. You call yourself citizens of the holy city, but you're stubborn and you won't follow me. So you want all the benefits of being in the kingdom, but you're stubborn and you won't go where you're told. And he had to release his prophetic word uh, to the people. So say I announce things before to you ahead of time. Why? And I've never really, I've always picked up on, oh my God, you're prophetic and you always announce things ahead of time. Read the rest of the context. Do you know what it says? Because you'll take credit for yourself that you were smart, you knew it, or you put it down to good fortune or your lucky rabbit's foot. It doesn't say lucky rabbit's foot. It says down to superstition. So when God does something, you'll go, ah, oh, well, yeah, I always knew about that. You start taking credit for everything that God's doing. And God holds back judgment because he gives us the opportunity to change For his name's sake. If you keep removing yourself from the heat. The process just gets extended. Allow yourself to be changed. Remember God is a forming God. And he will continue to build the Christ. Until he's established. Now here's a point. We're going to get back to cakes. Do you know. They will tell you. I can't say being a size zero as I am, that I actually fall into this bracket. But they say that you eat with your eyes before you ever pick anything up. Is that right? Would you say that's you? You look at something and go, well, that looks all right. And so you have it. But have you ever done that thing where you've seen something and thought, I'm having that. It smells good. The senses are all going. So you've looked at it. You've smelt it. You're in the supermarket. All the, the spare ribs are all being cooked or whatever it is. You walk past the chippy. Oh, you go like that. No, I'm on a diet. No, I'm on Weight Watchers. I'm on Weight Watchers. It's a, it's a green day. It's a red day. Whatever. You're passing by. And then the smell of vinegar hitting those hot chips. You kind of go, there's always tomorrow. And you walk back in, don't you? You walk back into those places. Or you're walking by and you just get that sniff of, yeah, that's, I've had salad for me tea. Everything's fine. We're okay. I'm not hungry. And then you walk past the takeaway and there's just that smell, a roaming, that really nice curry sauce and all this. And you just think, oh, it's only a snack. And you get in and pull the stuff. We eat with our eyes. Well, the truth is of this. When God looks at us, he doesn't look at our outer level. So when he sees us, now you think of a wonderful cake. Now, I cannot take credit for this. I have to thank my good lady. But yesterday, she built us and made all these wonderful little cakes. Because she said, Dawn said and complained that she didn't get one, so she might get one. (laughs) We're not mentioning names, but we'll just need to mark it for the register. But here's the thing. When we cover ourselves, or you see some cakes, like um, somebody was telling me yesterday that they went to a wedding, and there was a cake, the wedding cake, was, are you ready, ladies? Chucky Wocky Doodah. Yeah. Fellas are all going, I haven't a clue, but Chucky Wocky Doodah was the cake. 
But you see some wonderful cakes. And when my boys were small, there was a, a small company. Everybody seems to do it now in Marple. And what you could do is have the cake made to your own stuff. So they did things like, um, say, for instance, Dan was a mechanic. They'd make a car and there'd be a pair of legs sticking out and all the stuff. You know, that kind of bit. You made the cake. Now, you saw the cake, the icing, the way it had been finished, had the sparkler on it and the little, you light the candle, it's burning, setting the smoke alarms off. Everything's going. It looked absolutely fantastic. But a lot of times, I must admit, even on those expensive cakes, they spent more time making it look good than they made it tasting good. Yeah? It looked good. Now, here's the thing. For you and I, for people in general, we are more concerned of how we think other people perceive us than our concern of what is God seeing on the inside. So because of that, we will often give ourselves an appearance. An appearance of holiness, maturity, spirituality, servanthood and wisdom. The truth is, we might have all of those things, but it's normally a very thin veneer when you press below the surface. We know buzzwords, we know what we're supposed to do, and we know how we're supposed to act. But it says this in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that a man looks at. People look at the outward appearance, but the God looks at the heart. It's the heart that's changing. Now, here's the thing. Let's get back straight to our cakes because we flew through this last week. But there's an awful lot of wake in these simple, simple illustrations. We have different cakes. Now, if you remember, we spoke about it last week, how they were formed. The first one we have is a cake that's been burned. So you've got a cake that's been burned. It's been handled wrongly and it's been in the oven too long. Now, the truth is, if I open that, would you, is this the one that you want, Dawn? No, okay. If you look at this progress, uh, process here, the ingredients might have been perfect. They might have even been put together with great tenderness and love, been handled completely. But somewhere down the process, you got burnt. Now, the difficulty with burnt is this. It's bitter to the taste and it's not easily stomached. This is the way that people are who've been burnt. They're difficult people to be around, who always seem to have a story to tell, and tend to be quite negative. This is quite silence falls in this room, right? Fine, I'm on the right place then. Shall I tell you some more about the attributes? You're not the first on the party list. Right, okay, we'll push that on. Some of you have only just realized how come there's always a party and I'm not there. Maybe with exhibit A. They often become energy vampires. Do you know what I mean by an energy vampire? When you walk into the room, all the life leaves. Because, and they're the ones who always seem to want to, can we just have a talk? And I'm on my day off, and I'm at a party just like you are, but now's the time, our lives, we're going to inter interact, you and I, and this is the time where we're going to do all our business. Yeah. I'm sure that none of you have ever, ever met anybody like that. Would that be true, wouldn't it? <laughs> For your own self-preservation, let go, let God. Pursue wholesome relationships 
ask for help. If you need to repent and move forward, do it today. Those that lack body and structure. Here we go. Anybody fancy this one? The process here is excessive mixing, insufficient liquid, and just not cooked properly. These group of people, they never think they're ready to get on the starting line with God and move forward. You talk yourself in, and then you talk yourself back out again. So even though this morning, God's talking about, we're breaking through, you can lay hold of me, the king's in the midst. Well, let's get from the arid places, let's let the water flow. You're with us 100%. Then you get home, shut the door, and everything starts to change. Yes? You keep adding teaching to teaching because you think it'll change you. But your major flaw is you never move to application. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. People like this, they love the Holy Spirit's atmosphere, yet have no understanding of how to stir the gift within themselves or draw from the rock. Poor flavor. Those who promise much and deliver little. <laughs> this is the next process up from the one that's not been formed properly. And it's gooey and it's sticky and it's no good. It's improper mixing, improper cleansing, and faulty baking conditions. You want to rush process. You want to skip the basic steps of foundation. You think they're not important. Spiritual hygiene takes a back step. You don't get washed in the word. Repentance and clean hands before him can wait. Go back to what we said about the unclean vessel. We don't need to repeat ourselves. The crust is sticky and shiny. The oven temperature is too cool. You love the life of worship, yet you're rarely moved in the area of your soul. They have too much sugar. Everything is a love chamber experience. And their understanding of God is only of the perspective of love. God never disciplines. They have a warped understanding of grace that covers everything. Go back to foundation realities. Build the Christ again. See him as he is. King of kings, Lord of lords. Start to have that established in your life. Coarse and irregular. These are the ones that are kind of part finished. They're not too bad. If you have a look from a distance, it seems all right till you get up close. The coarse and irregular, improper mixing procedures, careless and poor depositing of what has been placed inside of you. Best described as slapdash at best. They go through the motions and see no real value in the building or mixing process. They never stay under the hand of the Lord long enough to change. Truth is, train them. Or trade them. We don't like that. Hear that in church. If you won't allow God to change you. You're better moving on. Because the frustration that will be built around you. Train or trade. That's for another day. They suffer from a cycle of defeat in their walk with God. They never really break through. And always seem to get picked off by the enemy. Really easily. Remove flesh. Learn to walk in the spirit 
allow yourself to be discipled. Off-colour cakes. The culmination of many things. They're not built or assembled properly. They can't seem to sustain a constant walk. And they live on the peripheries of God. They never really share life with others. And they justify why they don't need people. The joy of salvation is lost. They withdraw in times of intimacy for fear of exposure and they struggle with the daily relationship with God in prayer and basic study. If they touch the fire again and allow others to help them, you can learn to help yourself. Because who has to work out my salvation? I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I can't work it out for you, but I can help you in the process. What about the cake that falls apart? All of the right ingredients, but, they've, <laughs> but have been added, uh, yet there's an overemphasis in more than one area. You don't stay under the hand of God and your lives often fall apart. Preparation meets opportunity. Ask God to form you co uh, correctly. Allow the refining process to take place to remove the dross and build the Christ. And finally, we have the cake that didn't rise. Often through wrong or false expectation, the process has never been finished. You had the wrong things in your life at the wrong time and you miss your moment. You try to pull everything together in the heat of battle only to find that the vessel has been formed for a different purpose. God always prepares a man in private before he launches him in public. This can be indicative of those who will rely on talent, charisma, and natural ability. That what, uh, when they need to draw from God, they're found that they're overdrawn. Allow your life to be mentored, matured, and become men and women of God who will yield to the hand of the king. Now, in all of these processes, let's not lose a basic premise. The premise is what God forms he finishes. He needs to be able to say over your life and in my life, and God said, it was good. But in that process, maybe you've been mishandled, the way you were mixed, the way that somebody first led you to the Lord, the way that you were treated, the leaderships that you've been under under the past have caused us sometimes to be slightly um, uh, res not resentful, but we, we start to take a, a backward step. We lose trust. We lose the belief that things can be changed. All people are the same. It's not. We step out of process. Then we see about the way that he forms us and the vessel that we have. We're called to be a people with clean hands and a pure heart. You Only you can take responsibility for that. As we press into him, he doesn't kill us overnight, does he? He doesn't have any weekend projects that just skip along. He builds with us and he shapes us. And finally then, the heat process. God will heat up things in our lives so that the dross can be removed. For what purpose? That his own reflection will be seen in you. Now in all of these processes, some have been burnt. Some have not been formed. Some are still sticky and, and uh, to the taste because you just have too much sugar. And others have been formed correctly. Others look good. You look and you might go, hmm, with my wonderful eyes, there's my, I've got my hundreds and thousands and my bits of jelly bits. And it's all formed correctly. The idea is that when God looks at you, will he smile? Or was it like my statement that I made last week? 
Why do you misrepresent me? And every day he wants to shape me, he wants to form me, he wants to build the Christ. Now we have four stages. Saint, servant, soldier, son. Where are you on that spectrum? And which cake best reflects you? Did you stop growing? Did you get burnt? Are you partly formed? Are you still sticky and soft? Or are you getting to be what he wants you to be? Hey, because this is not a beat you up message. This is a reality that goes, if I need to change, I can change. And there's hope for everyone because he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. But you remember the rules. When I was a child, thought, acted, and reasoned. But now we're coming to maturity. I step into what he declares over me, and I start to live in the reality of what he's declaring. Not my own perception and my own reality world that I'll build, but what does he declare about us? Come on, church, let's just stand to our feet. I hope I've done justice to this this morning and try to be slightly more descriptive. There's so much more that we can say. You could literally spend a week on each of these points. But let's just grab the basic. What he starts, he finishes. Amen. So come on, church, let's just raise our hands just for a moment, just before we break up. Let's not lose the intensity of the morning as what God's been saying, what he's been building as he equips us and trains us and molds us to be more like the Christ. Let's just call on that spirit man with inside you say, my God, Father, I pray, continue the process in me. That, Lord God, I, I choose this morning not to fight your hand. I choose this morning, Lord God, to put my will back in line with yours. That, Lord God, Father, you'll cause us to think like you, to act like you. My God, that the Christ may be formed. Oh, my God, Father, I pray this morning that, Lord God, where we've been hurt, where people have used us, where people has abused us. Lord God, we choose to trust again. We choose to turn around and say, my God, that Father, where we've been hurt and abused and we've decided, Lord God, that we're not going on. Father, we choose to forgive in our own hearts. Lord God, Father, we, we pray right now, Lord God, for those who's hurt us. Lord God, I pray you'll even bring them back. Bring the picture into our mind right now. That, Lord God, we make a choice that says that this will no longer what holds me in a waterless place. But, my God, I pray, break it off this morning in Jesus' name. Lord God, we pray for a rising of those three areas. Lord God, the owls, the clocks, my God, those who will catch the wind. My God, we pray this morning, that which you have started, you will form and bring through to a completion, Lord God. Father, you form the man, you form our life. Lord God, form our spirit. Lord God, be able to say over every man and every woman in this place that not only are they carriers of deluge, but I look and I look from my throne in heaven and say, it is good. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.